Hello everybody, welcome back to the Pumpkin Seeds Podcast. Today, I will be narrating Chapter 3 of Undertale Home and Heartache. The links for everything will be in the uh, description, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy my narration. I expected more purple stone on the inside of the house, but the walls were painted a warm cream color. The floor was made of light wood. There were hallways leading off this main room, and in front of me a staircase going down two flights. A vase of dead flowers was perched on a table on one side of the stairwell, and in the other a small bookcase. There was a delicious smell coming from somewhere in the house. Surprise, said Toriel. It is a butterscotch cinnamon pie. Oh, so that was the smell. I wondered where the pie was. I thought we might be able to celebrate your your arrival, said Toriel, so I will hold off on snail pie for tonight. I laughed, wondering if, she, wondering if she was being serious about the snail pie. Here, I have another surprise for you, said Toriel. She walked down the hallway to my right. The hallway had a pale, had pale orange walls and a yellow carpet on the floor. There were several doors. Toriel brought me to the first one. This is it, a room of your own. I hope you like it. She patted on my head. Is something burning? She cried suddenly. Um, make yourself at home. My room had red wallpaper, a twin-sized bed, a wardrobe, two lamps, a table lamp, and a floor lamp. <laughs> Interesting. And a small bookcase. There was a box of toys that weren't really uh, particularly interesting, a box of kids' shoes in various sizes, and an empty, dusty picture frame on top of the bookcase. I turned on the lights. I should probably get some sleep, I said. A lot of weird stuff has happened today. The bed was soft and comfortable. Maybe I could wake up at home. I woke up to, I woke up to find a slice of uh, butterscotch cinnamon pie next to me, which I would take it to save for later. I guess I hadn't been dreaming. I wandered out of my room, down to the hallway, to, to the left of the main room with the staircase. There was a living room and a dining table, a warm fireplace, a large bookcase, and a big squishy chair which Toriel was reading a book. Up already, I see. Hmm. I want to know that you're gl I am glad to have someone like you here. There are so many old books I want to share. I want to show you my favorite bug hunt. hunt Ugh. My favorite bug hunting spot. I've also pr pr prepared a curriculum for your education. I was taken back. Education? Yes, this may come as, as a surprise to you, but I've always wanted to be a teacher. Actually, perhaps, that isn't very surprising. Still, I'm glad to have you living here. I took a breath. How long did you want me to stay here? Oh, do you, do you want something? She suddenly realized. What is it? Oh, nothing, it's nothing. I would like to stay here for a little while. Besides, it seems so important to her. Oh, well. Talk to me again if you need anything. I went to look at the bookcase. I opened a random page in a history book. Trapped behind the barrier and fearful of further human attacks, we retreated. Far, far into the earth we walked until we reached the cavern's end. This was our new home, which we, which we named Home. As great as our king is, his, he is pretty lousy at names. I laughed. Even a history book would admit that. 
I sat in front of the fire. It wasn't very hot, just warm. I could probably put my hand inside if I wanted to. A small hallway leading off into the living room led into the kitchen. The stovetop was so clean, I figured Toriel must use fire magic instead. There was a lot of white fur in the sink drain. In the cupboard, there were cookie cutters for gingerbread monsters. In the refrigerator, there was a brand name chocolate bar. Hmm. The cinnamon, oh, the butterscotch cinnamon pie was sitting on the counter. It was so huge, I didn't feel like eating it. I went back to the hallway with the door to my bedroom. There's another door, Toriel's room. It had blue wallpaper. Her bed was a little bigger than a double bed. There was a large bookcase, a dresser, a desk, and some plants, cacti, and a vase of golden flowers like the ones I'd fallen on. I opened the dresser drawer. Scandalous. It's Toriel's sock drawer. Toriel's diary was open on her desk. I couldn't help peeking at it. There was a passage circle in red. Why did the skeleton want a friend? Because she was feeling bonely. There was a lot of similar jokes on the page. Next to her desk was a regular old bucket of snails. I picked up a, a random book out of the bookcase. It was an encyclopedia on subterranean plants. I opened to the middle. Tyla, a group of wetland flowering plants with brown oblong seed pods. Known more commonly as water sausages. <laughs> Sounded like a cattail. I left Toriel's room and went to the end of the hallway. The last door had a sign, room under renovations in the corner beside a mirror on the wall was a vase of water sausages. I decided to go down the staircase into the basement. I didn't know what I expected, but it was a very long purple hallway. I didn't get very far before Toriel came running down the stairs after me. I think you should play upstairs instead, she said quickly. She took my hand and brought me upstairs. I started to feel uneasy. She was clearly hiding something from me. Oh, hello, said Toriel. Do you want to hear about the book I'm reading? Uh, sure, I said. It is called 72 Uses for Snails. She must really love snails. How about it? I glanced around the living room. I wanted to ask her why she wouldn't let me go downstairs, but I said, sure. Here's an interesting snail fact. Did you know that snails, yes, make terrible shoelaces? I laughed. I couldn't help it. Yeah, I did know that. Oh, well, did you hear about the snail that had a chainsaw-like tongue called, called a rudia? Oh, no, I didn't know about that. Interesting. Yeah, um, Toriel, how do I get home? What? Um, this is your home now. Well, at least, but how do I get out of the ruins? Uh, I have to do something. She said, stay here. She got up out of her chair and left the room. I was not going to say. I was going to follow her. She went downstairs into the forbidden basement. You wish to return home, do you not? She said without turning around. Yes. Ahead of us lies the end of the ruins, a one-way exit to the, to the rest of the underground, and I'm going to destroy it. What? Why? So no one will be ever to leave, so no one ever will be able to leave again. I felt like my heart, no, my soul had cracked a bit. She wanted me to stay here forever. Now be a good child and go upstairs. No. Why would you do that? I cried as I ran after her down the hallway. Every human that fall do falls down here meets the same face, said Toriel sadly, still without turning around. I have seen it again and again. They come, they leave, they die. You naive little child. If you leave the ruins, I waited with bated breath. They, 
No, Asgore will kill you. I am only protecting you. Do you understand? Do you understand? Now go to your room. She continued to walk down the hallway. I follow her. Who will kill me? Why will they kill me? I don't want to be stuck down here. I mean, I love your home and you're being so nice to me, but I can't stay here forever. The hallway turned to the left. Do not try to stop me. This is your final warning. I followed her around the bend. Is the outside world really that dangerous? You keep underestimating me. I solved the puzzles by myself. Then I paused. But I couldn't save myself from Flowey. What if I met someone else who was trying to kill me and Toriel wasn't there to rescue me? But wait, on the other hand, I didn't seem I was able to die. Every time I felt like I was going to die, I always woke up a couple minutes before. Maybe I couldn't be killed. Hmm. Toriel paused in front of the door. It was a big purple door with the same symbol on it. Three triangles and a winged circle on top. You want to leave so badly? Hmm. You're just like the others. There is only one solution to solve this. Prove yourself. What? Prove yourself to me that you are strong enough to survive. She turned around with a stern look. My soul floated out of my body. Suddenly, I was surrounded by white fireballs. They twisted and danced around my soul. As I tried desperately to avoid them, they hit my soul, burning it. I began to lose energy. I tried to talk to her. After all, that's what she said to do in a monster attack. But nothing seemed to be working. Toriel, please stop. Is this really necessary? The fireballs kept hitting me. I felt my energy draining. I ate the monster candy. I had a distinct... It had a distinct not-not-licorice flavor. Suddenly, I felt a surge of energy. Toriel, I'm not going to fight you. What are you doing? I dodged a flash wave of fireballs. I'm sparing you. Attack or run away? No. What are you proving this way? Why do you want me to hurt you? Fight or leave? No. Stop it. Stop looking at me that way, she said. Go away. I was down to my last energy. I was surprised I lasted this long. Suddenly, Toriel's fireball started deliberately avoiding me. I know you want to go home, but... I stared at her, waiting for the next wave of fireballs. Just please, go upstairs now. I cannot stay here forever, Toria, I said. I promise I will take good care of you down here, she said with a smile. I'm sure you would. <sighs> I felt bad for her. She so wanted a companion. Someone to share things with. Someone to take care of. But the idea of staying here forever just made me feel trapped. I know we do not have much, but I wouldn't mind... We could have a good life down here. I know that, but I want to go, and I'm not going to fight. Why are you making things so difficult, she said. I'm sorry, I just... Please go upstairs, she said. No, I want to go. Hmm, pathetic, is it not? I cannot save a single child. I'm sure I'll be okay. I really want to try to get home. I felt like I had a sinking feeling. I'd really like to live here with you, but I can't... I can't. No, I don't want to be stuck here with you. I don't want to live here forever. I said, no, I understand. You would just be unhappy trapped down here. The ruins are very small once you get used to them. It would not be right for you to grow up in a place like this. My expectations, my loneliness, my, loneliness, my fear for you, my child. I will put them aside, she said. Thank you, Toriel. If you truly wish to leave the ruins... I will not stop you. However, when you leave, please don't come back. I felt like my soul had cracked again as it sunk back into my body. I really did like it here. I just didn't, I just knew I couldn't say.
stay. I was going to ask why, but I figured I knew. I hope you understand, she said. Toriel gave me a big furry hug. Goodbye, child. She walked away, taking one last look at me before going down the hallway towards the house. I faced the big purple door. I felt bad. I felt horrible. She had done so much for me, but I was still unhappy. Then I thought about staying here forever. I opened the door. Down a long purple hallway through the stone case, I found myself in darkness again. Except for a little patch of light, in the circle of grass with a golden flower with a smiling face, fear gripped me. This was such a bad idea. I never thought I'd be afraid of the sight of a smiling yellow flower. Clever, he said. Very clever. You think you're so smart, don't you? Flowey smiled. In this world, it's be or be killed. What? I said. So you're able to play by your own rules. He gave me that creepy, twisted smile again. You spared the life of a single person. (laughs) No, I spared a lot of monsters in the room. He cut me off. I bet you feel really great. You didn't kill anybody this time. But what will you do when you meet a relentless killer? He was smiling normally again. You'll die and you'll die and you'll die and you'll die until you tire of dying. The thought of that weird phenomenon of me somehow coming back to life by inadvertently going back in time. What will you do then, Flowey asked tastily. He gave me that really creepy smile, wide with the teeth and red eyes. Will you kill out of frustration or will you give up entirely on this world? His mouth closed, but that but he was still smiling creepily and let me inherit the inherit the power to control it. Well, what? I said. He showed his teeth again. I am the prince of this world's future. Don't worry, my little monarch. My plan isn't regicide. So this is so much more interesting. What on earth are you talking about? I said. Why did this evil little flower want to ruin the world? His face contorted, growing larger, his eyes dark, his smile wide, teeth showing. It was awful. He laughed. That horrible, high, raspy laugh that made my soul cringe. Then suddenly, his smiling face was back, and he popped into the ground. I stood rooted to my spot. At least he didn't try to kill me again. But what were the vague, evil plants? I mean, plants, still feeling uneasy. I walked through the door beyond the patch of light and out of the underground. I stepped out of the ruins and into the cold wind. Snow crunched under my feet. On either side of the double doors I had come through were purple pillars, and above it, an arch with the triangle and winged circle symbol on it. Beside the door was a large bush covered in snow that seemed to have a video camera on it. Feeling uneasy, especially after what just happened, I began to walk through the forest. I walked over a stick. Suddenly, just as I was a few paces ahead of it, the stick broke. I spun around, and there was nothing. For the first time, I felt like I was being stalked. Flowey had been stalking me in the ruins. I was sure. Now there was a video camera in the bushes, and someone was following me. As I passed a pair of trees, out of the corner of my eye, I just barely caught sight of a shadowy figure following me. I felt afraid, but at least I knew someone was there. Maybe if I ignored them, they'd go away. I came to a bridge that crossed a chasm. Four wooden poles had been set up on either side of the bridge, with a plank connecting them at the top. I was about to pass through when I heard someone trudging through the snow behind me. Crunch, crunch, crunch. I didn't turn around. I continued 
to completely ignore the stalker. Human. I didn't move. Don't you know how to greet a new pal? He said. I sucked in my breath, turned around, and shake my hand. He said. Suddenly, I turned around, holding out my hand. There was a lard farting noise. <laughs> the whoopee cushion in the hand trick. It's always funny. The person whose hand I touched seemed to be a skeleton with a rounded skull wearing a blue hoodie, a white shirt, and black shorts with white stripes up the side, and slippers. He was grinning at me. There were pointers of light in his eyes as through he had actually black eyes rather em and empty sockets. Anyways, you're a human, right? Uh, yes, I said. That's hilarious. I'm Sans. San the Skeleton. Hello, Sans. If he tricked me with the whoopee cushion, he couldn't be an evil stalker like Flowey. I'm... He cut me off. I'm actually supposed to be watching for humans right now, but, you know, I don't really care about catching anybody. Oh, okay. That's good. Now my brother Papyrus, on the other hand. He's a human hunting fanatic. Hey, actually, that's him over there. I have an idea. Go through this gate thingy. Oh, you mean the poles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go right through. My bro just made the bars too wide to stop anybody. Oh, is that what that's supposed to be? As I said as we walked through, we came to a clearing. There was a purple lamp with a blue lampshade standing in the middle of the clearing. For some reason, it seemed to match the shape of my body. Quick, behind that conveniently sh shaped lamp, said Sands. I stepped behind the lamp as, just as another skeleton walked towards us. The skeleton was taller and thinner than Sands, and twice his height. He was wearing a white breastplate with a golden trim, blue briefs and golden belt, red boots, red gloves with gold trim as well, and a cape like a red scarf wrapped around his neck. Sup, bro? Sands said. You know what's up, brother. It's been eight days and you still haven't recalibrated your puzzles. So, I totally wasn't done with the puzzles. You just hung around the outside, you just hung around outside your station. What have you been doing? He, the weird skeleton said, staring at this lamp, it's pretty cool. Do you want to look? No, I don't have time for that, Papyrus yelled, stomping the ground. What if a human comes through? I want to be ready. I had to bite my tongue to keep myself from laughing. There will be one. There must be one. I will capture a human. Papyrus clapped his hands together to his heart. Sorry, clasped his hands together to his heart. Or at least a sternum, if we're being scientific. He drew himself up proudly. His cape scarf flapped in the wind. Then I, the great Papyrus, will get all things I utterly deserve. Respect, recognition. I will finally be able to join the Royal Guard. People will ask to be my friend. And I will bathe in the shower of kisses every morning. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was shaking with suppressed laughter. Hmm, maybe this ha lamp will help you. <laughs> maybe this lamp will help you, said Sands. Sands, you are not helping, said Papyrus, stomping the ground again. You lazy bones. All you do is sit here and boo boondoggle, I think. You get lazier and lazier every day. Hey, take it easy. I got a ton to work. I got a ton of, of work done today. A skeleton. It stands with a wink. But I'm Sands, come on. You're smiling. I am, and I hate it. Papyrus sighed. Why does someone as great as me have to work with someone as lazy as you? He said. Wow. 
Sounds like you're working yourself down to the bone. Sands through his hands open. Ugh, I will attend to the puzzles. As for your work, put a little more backbone into it. <laughs> he began to walk away, but then turned around and added, Heh. Okay, you can come out now, Sand said to me. I stepped out from behind the lamp. He ought to get going. He might come back, and if he does, he'll have to sit through more of my hilarious jokes, he said with a wink. Now is now a skeleton had eyelids. I had no idea. And I didn't know they had dimples either. Hmm. What's the holdup? There's nothing to be afraid of. It's just a dark cavern full of skeletons and horrible monsters. I shrugged. The monsters aren't that horrible. I walked past what seemed to be a sentry station. It had balls of ketchup, mustard, and relish on the side. There was snow on its roof. Actually, hey, hate to bother you. Can you do me a favor? Sans asked. Uh, yeah, sure, what? I said. I was thinking, my brother's been kind of down lately. He's never seen a human before, and seeing you might make his day. Don't worry, he's not dangerous, even if he tries to be. Sure, he seems to have a low self-esteem. Pyrus clear... Papyrus clearly doesn't want to be dangerous, even if he did try to capture me. He just wanted to be respected and liked. Thanks a million, Sans said. I'll be up ahead. He walked past. He walked back the way we came, and I continued onward. The convenience of the lamp still filled me with determination. The trees in the forest had changed. Instead of being tall, straight, and bare, they were squat tree pine trees covered in snow. Against the tree I found a box, and a sign next to it said, This is a box. You can put an item inside or take an item out. The same box will appear later, so don't worry about coming back. Sincerely, a box lover. <clears throat> a magic box. Interesting. I had nothing to put in it, though. As I was walking away from the box, I suddenly ran into a monster. The monster kind of looked like a bird and had thick blue feathers around its head, with a white crest on top. Above its eyes on either side was a bill in the shape of a snowflake. It was pale, blue, had yellow eyes, a yellow bill, and yellow feet. It seemed to have teeth in its bill and a yellow ridge on its back, on its neck and belly, like a dragon's belly. Ice to meet you, said the monster. Why does everyone at this world have to make puns? I'm Snow Drake. I forced a laugh at his puns as swirling crescent-shaped projectiles started hurtling themselves toward my soul. See, it laughs. Dad was wrong, said Snowdrake. Happily f uh, fluttering away, I avoided the last of his projectiles. I continued walking. I found a river. A fishing pole was set up in front of it. I reeled in the line curiously, and at the end of the line was a photo of a weird-looking monster. Call me. Here's my number. I rolled my eyes and went back to the other direction. I found Sans and Papyrus talking to each other on the path through the forest. So as, so as I was saying about Undyne, Papyrus suddenly broke off, turned and looked at me, his jaw hanging open. He looked back at Sans and Sans looked at me. Papyrus looked back at me and looked at Sans again. They switched back and forth several times before they started spinning in circles. Finally, they were both looking at me and they both turned away. Sans, oh my God, is that a human? They both looked at me again. Finally, uh, Sans began. Actually, I think that's a rock. Confused, I turned. I looked around and noticed there was a rock sitting right behind me. Oh, hey, what's that in front of that rock? Oh my god, it is. Is that a human? Yes, 
said Sans. Oh my god, Sans, we finally did it. Undyne, I'm gonna... I'll be so popular, popular, popular. Ahem, human, he cried fiercely. You shall not pass this area. I, the great Papyrus, will stop you. Then capture you. You will be delivered to the capital. Then... Then... Well, I'm not sure what's next. I sniggered. In that case, Papyrus continued. Continue only if you dare. <laughs> he ran away. Well, that went well, Sans said. Don't sweat it, kid. I'll keep an eye socket out for you. Sans went off after his brother. I continued down the path, but suddenly my phone rang. I pick it. My phone rang. Ugh. I picked it up and heard a very familiar voice. Hey, is your refrigerator running? I figured if I said yes, Sans would say, you better go catch it. So I said no. Okay, I'll send someone over to fix it, said Sans. Thanks for letting me know. Good communication is important. I laughed. That was not as, that was not what I was expecting. I had har hardly gone steps before my phone rang. I, I picked it up. This time it wasn't Sans. It was a high voice I didn't recognize. Uh... Oh, oh my god, help. I'd like to order, um, uh, a pizza with, uh, toppings or, uh, I have them copied. I'll just paste them to you. My phone was, was too old to re be receiving texts. It read out loud, character by character, an A-S-C-I-I -I art of an anime cat girl. Who is this? They hung up. Um, okay. <clears throat> I found a large car cardboard box with a square window in it. The sign that, uh, on the box said, You observe the well-crafted sentry uh, station. Who could have built this? You ponder. I bet it was a very famous royal guardsman. No, not yet very famous royal guardsman. I laughed and shook my head. Poor Papyrus. Further up the path was another sentry station that looked like a doghouse. And the sign that said next to it, absolutely no mo moving. Strange. Well, I had to move forward. Suddenly something popped out from the sentry station. It was a black and white dog standing on its hind legs, wearing a pink shirt of a dog and a leopard prince uh, stretch pants. Did I move? Did something move? It said. Was it my imagination? I can only see moving things. If something was moving, for example, a human, I'll make sure it never moves again. Uh-oh, I had to move. I took a step forward. The dog, according to the sign of the sentry station, his name was Doggo, suddenly started hurling towards me. They weren't white like this or other uh, monster attacks I saw. They were blue. I tried to avoid it, but it hit my soul. Moving, moving? Doggo shouted. I froze. The blue sword came hurtling past me. I paused right before it went through my soul. It didn't hurt me. So if I don't move when the blue attacks come out, it won't hurt. I reached out. I reached out and pet the doggo. What? I've been pet? He cried. He seemed to be spazzing out. I tried to remain still as the blue swords came my direction. Spare, I said. The sword stopped. The sword stopped coming. I took a breath. I still didn't move. S -s Something pet me. Something that isn't moving. I'm gonna need some dog treats for this. He went back into his sentry station. Finally, I could move. I found Stan Sands standing in front of a patch of ice. 
Hey, here's something important to remember. He said, my brother has a very special attack. If he, you see blue, don't move and it won't hurt you. Oh, so that's what the swords have been for. Here's an, here's an easy way to keep it in mind. Imagine a stop sign. When you see a stop sign, you stop, right? Stop signs are red. So imagine a blue stop sign instead. Simple, when fighting, think about blue stop signs. Okay, thanks, I said. Remember, blue stop signs. He said, I slid across a patch of ice. There is a sign in the middle of it. North ice, south ice, west ice, east, Snowden town, and ice. So there is a town nearby. I walked along the nearest path. There was a snowman sitting on its own. Hello, it said. I am a snowman. I suppose you'd get used to talking things by now. Flowers, rocks, snowmen. I want to see the world, said the snowman, but I cannot move. If you would be so kind, traveler, please take a piece of me and bring it very far away. Sure, I'll do that. I took, I took off a chunk of snowman. Thank you. Good luck. In another direction from the ice path, I found Sans and the Papyrus again. Between me and them was a large gray square in the snow. You're so lazy, Papyrus was saying to Sans. You were napping all night. Um, I think that's called sleeping, Sans said. Excuses, excuses. I turned to look at me. Oh ho, the human arrives in order to stop you. My brother and I have created more puzzles. Oh great, more puzzles, I said to myself. I think you will find this one quite shocking. For you see the invisible electricity maze. When you touch the walls of the maze, it held out a blue ball. The orb will administer a hearty zap. Sound like fun? Because the amount of fun you'll be probably having is actually rather small. Okay, okay, you can go ahead now. I stepped onto the maze, and suddenly, Papyrus got electrocuted. He looked momentar uh, momentarily back in before returning to normal and angrily stomping the ground. Sans, what did you do? I think the human has to hold the orb. Oh, okay. Papyrus started walking... Papyrus started to walk around the gray square, and then walked into it left, then... in towards me, then right, then towards me, leaving his footprints behind. Obviously, that's how I was going to get through the maze. I clapped my hands to my face. Hold this, please, said Papyrus. Instead of giving it to me, he threw the orb in the land and it in the air, and it landed on my head gracefully. Okay, try now. I followed him, taking the exact same path. Incredible, you slippery snails, Papyrus said angrily. You solved it so easily, too easily. However, the next puzzle will not be so easy. It was designed by my brother, Sands. You will surely be confused. I know I am. <laughs> as he cackled as he walked off. I sighed and shook my head. The Papyrus was hilarious. Hey, thanks, said Sands. My brother seems to be having fun. By the way, did you see that weird outfit he's wearing? How could I not see it, I said. Sands laughed. We made that a few weeks ago for a costume party, and he hasn't worn anything else since. He keeps calling it his battle body. Man, isn't my brother cool? I laughed and agreed. 